If Buildings Could Talk is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. If buildings could talk, what would they say? What does the building stand for, literally and figuratively? Hear the stories behind our buildings and how the design of these places positively impacts the lives of individuals and the success of our city. Welcome to If Buildings Could Talk, hosted by John Commison and Kelly Thompson. My greatest joy is sharing the stories and what I call the humanity of medicine and bringing that to the classroom. I just wanted that opportunity to create what I envisioned of a curriculum that would provide healthcare clinicians that are exceptional clinicians and advocates for rural communities. The Pfeiffer University Center for Health Sciences, located just outside of Charlotte in Albemarle, North Carolina, is preparing future healthcare workers and instilling in them a passion for providing high quality healthcare in our rural communities. Today, we'll hear from the founding chair and program director, a student from the Physician's Assistant Program, and the Director of Facilities as they discuss how the center is positively impacting the community by providing high quality, needed medical education, while also playing a vital role in the economic development of Albemarle. If the Pfeiffer University Center for Health Science building could talk, it would say, good morning, little one. I see you passing by every morning on your way to school. And this morning, I want you to know that I am here for you. I was built here to serve you. This is a safe place for you and your family. I want you to know that you are not forgotten and that I hope that one day you will come and enter this building to learn the wonders of the human body. If the building could talk, it would say, my, I have a cadaver lab. I've got a simulation lab. I've got clinic space. And all of the minds and people we will touch by being here. It would say, I'm a reflection of Pfeiffer University and the city of Albemarle, built on a rich and storied history and looking toward the future. Hey everybody, I'm Kelly Thompson. And I'm John Commison. And we're your hosts for If Buildings Could Talk. Today's story is about Pfeiffer University's Center for Health Sciences in Albemarle, North Carolina. I am originally from Albemarle, so this is especially interesting to me, and I'm super excited about this episode. I have um, very vivid childhood memories of downtown Albemarle, uh, being dropped off at the public library just up the street from the project that we're going to talk about, going to Starnes Jewelers with my mom, and grabbing breakfast at Joe's Donut Dinette on Friday mornings before school. So just as I've grown, so has this quaint little town, and Pfeiffer's Center for Health Sciences is playing a role in that growth. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about Pfeiffer University and more specifically this project? Sure. Pfeiffer University is a private liberal arts university, and it has about 1,800 students with its main campus located in Meisenheimer, North Carolina, which is about 40 miles northeast of Charlotte. 
The university also has a campus in Charlotte near South Park off of Park Road, a campus in Raleigh-Durham, and last year opened their new Center for Health Sciences in Albemarle. That's what we'll be talking about today. The center houses two brand new master's level degree programs, one in physician assistant studies and one in occupational therapy. We'll hear about the genesis of those programs, the decision to locate in Albemarle and the impact that the center is having on the community. We heard from our first three guests at the top of the episode with their thoughts on what the facility would say. Brenda Diaz is the founding chair and program director of the Master of Science and Physician Assistant Studies at Pfeiffer University. Sharon Bard is the director of facilities at Pfeiffer. Adam Carruthers is an architect at Little and was the project architect for the Center for Health Sciences. Brenda, Sharon, Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having us. This is uh, an honor to be here. Fantastic. Brenda, as we mentioned, you're the founding chair and the first program director for the Physician Assistant Master's Degree Program. Tell us a little bit about your background and how in the world you ended up at Pfeiffer in Stanley <laughs> County. <laughs> Well, it's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. uh, I became a physician assistant in the mid 80s. So I've been a PA for well over 30 years. Um, I have practiced uh, in family medicine uh, all those years. And uh, um, after practicing in New York City, that's where I'm originally from, for about four years, I, I was um, called uh, to join a colleague um, in a venture to start a family practice in a small rural community serving migrant workers and farm workers. And uh, that's how my, my love and my dedication to the rural communities and working with farm workers and their families, um, and that's where it was birthed. I was blessed to serve in the state of Florida and also in the state of Texas. And in Texas, it was a mission clinic on the Texas-Mexican border. And I would share um, those experiences with the students and um, make them aware of the reality um, that families um, live and, and, um, and work in, um, in rural America. Uh, so that was that was is still my greatest joy is sharing the stories and and um, and the, what I call the humanity of medicine um, and bringing that to the classroom. Um, so I I served in um, a few um, institutions of higher education, both public and private. I have always wanted and I always dreamed of, of creating a program that was focused on rural medicine. Could you tell us a little bit about how that, that notion or that mission of serving rural communities is woven into the course of study? Yes, um, once I, I sat down to, to design the curriculum, I wanted the, the theme of rural medicine and rural healthcare to be woven throughout every semester. 
So if you look at the first semester, we have a, a course called Delivering Healthcare in America. And um, one of the things that the students um, take a, a, a dive into is, is the, different, the different types of healthcare systems and health disparities that occur in, in those systems. Um, in the second semester, they have public health um, principles, policy, and advocacy. And that's one of my favorite uh, courses that I designed um, because it, it, it covers all the principles of public health, but um, from the second half of the semester, the students are formulating plans of advocacy and community health initiatives that addresses health disparities in rural communities. Um, in the third semester, we have cultural issues in healthcare, uh, where students also, you know, take, and that's when they really take a deep dive in, in the cultural aspects of, of delivering care. And then finally, we have ethics, law, and social just, justice in the fourth semester, um, where we do cover the principles of ethics and medicine, um, but um, how does that translate in the realm of social justice? And um, we have a wonderful, wonderful instructor that um, really have taken the students into a journey in social justice. So as you can see, you know, there, it's woven throughout the didactic portion of the program. And then on the clinical side of the house, we try to make our, our best to um, it would provide the students ex clinical experiences in rural communities. So and that's it, how, it, how it's woven in. Is that something that uh, you all are primarily setting up those opportunities for the clinical experience or are the students responsible for seeking and finding those themselves? You know, in physician assistant education, um, it is the responsibility of the program to um, uh, uh, formulate those affiliations with clinical uh, partners and um, have those ready for the students. If the students um, know of someone or are aware that someone is interested in precepting a student, they forward the information to the program and the program then takes that information and starts the process because the preceptor has to be vetted, completely vetted. The, the site has to be vetted. Everything needs to be documented. There are legal documents involved. So it is the program's responsibility to do that. Sharon, you looked at several locations. How and why did you select the site in Albemarle? Um, after reviewing um, several areas, some outside of the county and some inside the county, um, we pulled up sort of a map of downtown Albemarle and found an anchor spot where the, we are located and um, decided that was the space we felt like we could call home. Um, and the city of Albemarle and Stanley County helped us make that happen. As that corner belonged to Stanley County, we did some property swatch, swap with the city and with the county. And hence we were on the corner of Main and Fourth, um, creating an anchor along with the Lillian Mills on one end of Main Street. It's interesting that you selected Albemarle. Why is it that you decided to locate the center away from the main campus? Well, I think the master's program as we've you know, reached out in Charlotte 
Um, we already had our under our sorry graduate school for business and marriage and family therapy. As we were focusing on rural health, we felt it was important to have that in the county where our main campus was. Um, and being located in Mosenheimer is pretty rural. Um, Albemarle is a rural county uh, or city, and um, Stanley County is a little rural. Um, with the focus that Brenda had and uh, Beth Fain had, we felt being in our own county was the best place to grow. The hope was that the project would help to revitalize downtown Albemarle. Do you think it's been successful doing that? I think it has. Um, I go through Albemarle every day on my way to Meisenheimer, and I always go through downtown to one, look at the campus, and then look at all the things that are being restored in Albemarle. The old hardware store is being developed into retail space, and then upstairs, uh, accommodation for students, apartment or loft um, living. The old um, Albemarle Hotel that has been closed for many years um, is now going to be efficiency apartments for our students. Houses along 4th Street are being rejuvenated and becoming multifamily and um, apartments for students or duplexes. Uh, the outreach of the community and the growth has been beautiful to see. Downtown is such a wonderful historic area. Um, and I think everyone is doing their designs in that vein of preservation, not just let's build it and they will come. Adam, Brenda's obviously talked a lot about the, the program itself. What do you feel like were the most important considerations from a design perspective um, as you started working on this project? Well, the building sits in sort of the right on the edge of the historic downtown area. Um, and that's that was a huge driver for us in terms of aesthetics and siting of the building. We're right on the corner of uh, the Five Points intersection, which is a major intersection. And you're coming down a really steep hill. Um, and to enter the other side, you're kind of going up that same steep hill. And what's interesting to us is that there was no sort of entry to the city uh, from that direction. And, and we really tried to focus on setting this building and siting it in such a way that uh, it served as kind of an entrance point to the city. Mm -hmm. A welcome to Albemarle. Uh, this is Pfeiffer University, welcome to Albemarle. And that really was a starting off point for us. So as we began to kind of push more towards the uh, investigating the history of Albemarle and, and sort of and what this city was about. Uh, there's a deep, deep history of, of mills in the town. And directly across the street, the Five Points intersection, is another historic mill. And so that mill really influenced the design of the exterior facade. And we wanted to sort of mimic the, the historical brick that is around that area. We wanted to talk to the cast stone that really highlights the accents of that mill. And that kind of drove the design integration. But then the other side of the history um, and, and what Pfeiffer started to bring to Albemarle was kind of a sense of youth and a sense of technology that, that comes with the medical education. And so we wanted to really incorporate that somehow into the design. And so the layout of the building sort of mimics the 
mill across the street in terms of height, but then at the top of it, we penetrated that sort of historical facade with a new modern metal clad uh, addition to the building. And so the fourth floor really represents this sort of innovation. There were uh, some opportunities that were brought to us by Pfeiffer and led by Brenda about incorporating the community into this building and how can we actually do that. And so there were uh, a lot of discussions around what can this uh, education-based clinic serve to the community. And so the way that we brought that into the building was keeping the entire first floor as really dedicated to the community. So the um, opportunity for um, students to be at ground level with people walking by where their actual research clinic-based labs were. And then the other side of the floor plan essentially being a community-driven space that would be eventually leasable by the community to use this large multi-purpose gathering room for anything that they wanted. Um, the, in terms of uh, technical aspects, we do sit at that five points intersection, which is also a floodplain. And so we had to deal with uh, issues of that. And um, as anyone that drives through five points knows, you, know, you, you sometimes go through a puddle when it's raining. So uh, we, need, we needed to address that and, and we pulled the building back and uh, from that floodplain. And the opportunity that presented itself was essentially a gift from Pfeiffer to the city, which was a public park. Um, there's a privately funded public park that serves at the entrance of this site and is kind of a small reflection of uh, Pfeiffer's intention to really bring the city um, back into the modern age and, and really push its efforts to say that we're here for the long run and, and Albemarle's coming back. I, I loved hearing that whole description because that the building is kind of it's so comfortable sitting there and it has changed the it has changed the look and feel so dramatically. And you know, it's one of the interesting things about design and architecture is how how do you achieve that? Well, you achieve that by having this rich concept that without having heard that before and without knowing the specifics of it, yet you're still able to feel that when you, when you see the building. So thank you for that description. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed hearing that. Um, Adam, there were some very complex requirements from a program standpoint uh, for the building in order to serve the needs of these programs. Can you talk to those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in all uh, aspects, the first floor of the building is essentially a, a medical hospital in all, in all aspects. It's, it's designed and intended to be a training facility for students. And the best way to train students is to give them real world scenarios. And um, the amount of technology in this, in this space is really astounding. Um, between the medical simulation uh, dummies that sit in each stretcher um, to the amount of recording and camera and instructional software that is hidden in the walls. I mean, it really is um, sort of a, a low voltage um, amazing low voltage feet, <laughs> I'll say that, just to get everything in there and then to have the professors be able to be um, 
adjacent to and instructing the students both technologically by manipulating the the training dummies, but also by um, being physically in proximity to them. And then the other aspect that's really um, uh, so complex is the anatomy lab, which is up on the, the fourth floor, that sort of innovation level, right? Um, so that lab is dedicated fully to understanding the human body and doing hands-on research with cadavers and uh, virtually through some really in incredible leaps in technology to be able to essentially put on augmented reality glasses and dive into the human body to see firsthand what's inside of it, which is, I was blown away by seeing a demonstration of that. Um, but the driver behind that was really about giving the space back to the students and everything on that fourth floor is really dedicated to um, exhausting, right? So this is, <laughs> that entire space has to be evacuated. It's a very complex system of mechanical, mechanical ducts to um, make sure that those bodies are well-maintained and that the students are comfortable in that space. And then on the other side of that is a, a center for knowledge for the students, the library that overlooks the entry to the city. It's a place for students to gather. And that is really when you're coming down the hill or moving by Albemarle, the life of the building, you can see the students in the study rooms, you can see them from outside and it really gives that the structure a sense of life as the students occupy it throughout the day. Does sound like there were some some complex um, kind of program program elements in this and and Brenda I guess you know obviously we didn't you know Adam and, and team didn't do this alone they must have had quite a bit of input um, from you as you were also developing the program um, tell us how critical that was you know that you were involved in making sure that the, the finished building really supported the effort that you were trying to do and, and what you were trying to teach. Mm -hmm. um, it was pivotal um, and fundamental for us to be at the table from the very beginning. And I just want to thank Little for having us there, inviting us in um, making us as part of their team. Um, we, we, they heard our voice, um, they heard what our needs were, um, and, and always asking, is this, is this going to be okay? Is this going to be all right? Um, or if we felt that, you know, that's not going to work, let's, let's go back to the drawing board and try something new. Um, you know, we were always in contact with each other, uh, and, and that to me was, was a, a precious, precious time. And I thank them for the opportunity to learn. Yeah, I learned so much during that process. I have heard other colleagues and other experiences um, across the nation where, where that was not the case. And when the, the program moved in, they soon realized that this is not gonna work. Um, and then they, they had to retrofit. Um, so, you know, we, we, we started together as a team uh, from, the very, from the very beginning. Um, someone asked me, what was my, my first request from the team? <laughs> and I said that I wanted the building to have as much natural light as possible. The, the students are there from seven in the morning till midnight. 
and they're in in class and they're in in the studies areas uh, um, throughout the building. And uh, we don't want them to feel cavernous, you know, we wanted them to have that natural light where they could breathe and feel comfortable and learn. And uh, it was a joy to walk through those, those corridors and see the natural light coming in through every corner you can walk through. Um, I don't think that there's one area that feels dark or, you know, it's, it's just a, that, that was my very first request. And, uh, and they listened and they, they heard what we, we, we wanted. Um, and then after that, there was a laundry list. <laughs> I, I was just, just thinking that maybe architecture students could learn from that schedule of 7 a.m. to midnight and getting off the daylight because uh, at least in my day, it was more like from two in the afternoon till seven in the morning. <laughs> so we, we probably lost out on a lot of that natural light. Adam, you were kind of nodding as Brenda was talking. Could you just talk a little bit about that collaborative process? Yeah, I, I have to add, first of all, you know, Brenda, the culture that you've established in that space is unlike any other university program I've seen, because as I have walked through the building many times post-occupancy just to double check on things and make sure everything's functioning as it should, I've seen more community built within your students sitting together making use of classroom space that I never would have envisioned could be used in that capacity, but studying, working together, and really building um, a community of Pfeiffer uh, students that is is unlike anything I've ever seen. A lot of times we'll walk through buildings and it'll just be a single student or a small group of students, but your, your students were really kind of a culture of one, learning together, and I really think that that's the best way to do it, and we really tried to facilitate that as much as we could in the spaces and the in addition to the building being on a floodplain another um, challenge that we faced was that there was a severe slope across the building and so in order to get as much natural light as we could especially on that first level um, about the the back half of the first level is essentially underground and uh, so we actually built a, a depression in the back and made an outdoor seating area in order to allow access um, into the backside of the building, but also to bring in natural light um, in areas that don't, wouldn't typically get it. And um, we we're fortunate to do that because it, it really brought a lot of opportunities for daylight to be coming into classrooms, coming into corridors. And we really worked hard to make sure that wherever you were standing in the building, you could either feel daylight or see directly to the outside. And um, it's great to see that, you know, those are the spaces that your students are drawn to. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, it's yeah, really nice. yesterday I was at the building and as I came in, I, I went down into the through the courtyard that that depressed area that you spoke about. And uh, there were students sitting on the stairs. There were about maybe 10 of them and, um, you know, enjoying the, the shade of the building, but enjoying the outdoors. And um, it it just reminded me of the beginning of our conversation and the vision that we had. Uh, for this space. Um, so it was, it was good. It, made, it did my heart good to see them sitting there and enjoying the outdoors. You know, what's really interesting about that space too, in, in my mind, is that it's is the connection to the neighbors that you get kind of back there. Now, one thing I didn't mention earlier is that we're surrounded by residential houses. And so when you put a four-story building next to the, a residential house, you really have to sort of understand those relationships. And mm -hmm. 
there's also a historic building on our site that is essentially uh, one of the early houses of Stanley County. It's a, it's a historical marker in the county and we had to respect that. And it's really interesting to me from an architectural perspective to be sitting in a modern uh, glass and metal building and have this perspective of a one room, uh, two chimney house, just you know, uh, 50 feet away from you. And so I, I really like that sort of um, juxtaposition that really speaks to Albemarle and Pfeiffer of rooted in history, but looking to the future. And I think it's a really kind of an interesting, uh, happy accident that this was our site. Adam, in addition to the collaboration with the team from Pfeiffer, any other team players who significantly positively impacted the result? I absolutely want to mention uh, the general contractor in Stokes Construction. Um, Doug and Zane have been uh, community members of Albemarle their entire lives. And, you know, Doug was fortunate enough to share with me that, you know, he feels this is this is the most important thing that he's done in the city. And he feels the most important thing Albemarle has done in the last 50 years. At some point during the opening of the building, this, the town historian referenced that the, he, he has two major milestones in the history of Albemarle. One is when the railroad track came through and the other is the opening of this building as terms of importance um, for the history of the city. Um, and so that, that team of, of Doug and Zane Stokes and David Hudson were absolutely integral. And then of course, you know, we, it can't be said enough thanking the dedication that Sharon Bard had, um, as well as Dr. Keith and, and the past president of the fight for bringing this project to reality. So they were all just absolutely crucial in the success of this building. Um, may, I, may I interject uh, one of the other things that I'd like to really uh, bring to the forefront is the importance of our community uh, partners and donors if it were not because of the generosity of the community um, and donors, uh, you know, this project would not be possible. Uh, the community really embraced the vision, embraced the programs, and and, uh, and and I cannot stress enough the importance of their influence and importance in this project. Hey, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. At Ortho Carolina, personalized orthopedic care goes beyond my appointment. Accessible, comprehensive, and compassionate. It's my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked, plus the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at blumenthalarts.org slash Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care begins with the click of a mouse because online scheduling saves me time. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. If Pfeiffer University's health science center could talk, it would say, I'm very thankful to be a part of such a close-knit community here in Stanley County, but more specifically in downtown Albemarle. I also am very excited to have played a role in revitalizing and revamping downtown Albemarle by providing a central location for educating the future generations of medical professionals. We just heard from our next guest, Rachel Nance is a student in the Physician Assistant Studies Master's Degree program at Pfeiffer and Albemarle. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Sure. You're from Stanley County, right? Yes, sir. I am from Norwood, actually. Okay. Why did you choose to stay close to home to obtain your PA degree? Um, Well, ultimately, I decided upon Pfeiffer's TA school because Stanley County is the place I plan to ultimately reside and work in. So Stanley County has been my home for upwards about 15 years or so, and it's a place that I will forever come back to because I truly enjoy the people and the community here. It's also a place that's helped raise my siblings and myself, and I can't think of a better way to pay it forward than to come back to my hometown and provide care and education to its residents and community. Where did you obtain your undergraduate degree, Rachel? Um, It's UNCG up in Greensboro. Yes, and I graduated in December of 2018. And your major there was what? Um, I majored in biology and then a minor in chemistry. Okay. So you've been thinking about a career in healthcare for quite a while? Yes, sir. That's correct. What got you interested in, in this? I mean, obviously you, you know, majored in, in biology, knew that's what you're going to go into. What, what made you lean in that direction? Um, so essentially my siblings and I all kind of suffer from varying respiratory issues throughout our childhood. So a good bit of our childhood was spent, you know, at doctor's offices, hospitals, kind of along that line. So I always knew the medical kind of profession was something I wanted to do. Um, but while kind of cultivating my education at my undergraduate program, I kind of found that the PA profession would fit my goals and aspirations personally as well as, well as like career-wise. And so it allows me to be able to have like interprofessional work with my peers but also with my supervising physician, that seemed to be. Great. And Brenda talked a little bit earlier um, about the clinical rotations and how those are part of the program. Is that what you're focusing on at the moment? Um, yes, ma'am. So back in May of 2021, um, we finished up kind of our didactic. It's really the book work. And so from here forward, um, we'd actually go into our clinical rotations. And so every kind of four and a half, five weeks or so, we kind of moved to a new rotation. I finished up my family medicine rotation about three and a half weeks ago. And then currently I'm now in my internal medicine rotation at an atrium hospital. And how have those gone for you? They've gone very well. I can definitely say that my didactic education has prepared me 
Um, but of course, with anything in life, you can never be prepared enough. So it's an always kind of an educational process, whether I'm learning from the book work or if I'm actually in the clinical rotation aspect of my education. And Brenda, the way the program is set up and the degree is earned gives a lot of flexibility to the graduating students in where they would like to insert themselves in the healthcare field, right? That is, that is correct. Uh, the students um, rotate through eight uh, uh, required rotations and one um, uh, elective. And uh, so they spend time in, in, in disciplines such as uh, family medicine, internal medicine, surgery, pediatrics, uh, women's health, behavioral medicine. Uh, so in, in those four and a half, five weeks, um, they are learning on, you know, clinically in practice, but also they are taking board examination, practice exams. They are um, preparing for their end of rotation examination. So they are constantly learning. We're constantly assessing their progress. Um, and, uh, and it's been a joy. It's been such a joy to, to hear their stories when they come back to campus and also hear the feedback from the preceptors. One of the things that I heard from one of the preceptors um, just recently said, if I could keep her, I would right now. And they're just finishing their second wow. rotation. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's such a joy and I couldn't be more proud that um, these are my babies. <laughs> Rachel, you said that you've only been through a couple of your rotations, but uh, do you have thoughts about where you would like to eventually land in practice? <laughs> um, so originally I was thinking either family medicine or pediatrics. And so since I finished up my family medicine rotation earlier, I can definitely say I enjoyed it, but I also would like to see more of what's out there and kind of explore all my options. Um, however, my pediatric rotation is around December. So I think that'll be fun to be able to talk with the kids about Santa Claus and all that. But um, I think I would also like to follow that through and see if that's something I would be even more interested in. Um, since I am the oldest of four siblings or four kids, um, I definitely can relate to children a little bit better sometimes than adults, but you know, it all works out. So I'd definitely like to see that kind of follow through and then I might give you a more definitive answer by the end. Are you thinking you'll stay in Stanley County? Yes, ma'am. That's my kind of goal and my hope. Um, I would really like to stay specifically in Stanley County, but if not, one of the other kind of nearby counties like Anson County or even Montgomery County, just because I've always grown up in rural areas. Um, I actually grew up specifically in Peachland, it's in there in Anson County and then Norwood here in Stanley County. And both towns are very, very small, um, but it's something that I thrive in and it's um, places I've fallen in love with. So I like to give back to the places that help kind of cultivate me into the person I am today. Kelly. Any final thoughts about our conversation today? You know, John, one of our goals of the podcast is to focus on how projects are positively impacting lives and communities. And 
this building is undoubtedly very intentionally preparing our future healthcare workers and instilling in them a passion for providing healthcare to our rural communities, which in and of itself is just so important. And with this project being in the heart of downtown Albemarle, there's also, you know, this economic growth that the entire community is benefiting from. And having grown up there, I think that that growth is going to create so many positive opportunities for those who live there. I think it would say, man, I love this community. It is such a privilege to witness the students and the staff who walk through my doors every day and who in turn walk out serving this community and bigger and more innovative ways that are leading us toward a better future. And John, I feel certain that you've got more than just a statement. In terms more of than just a statement. I think it probably is more than a statement. What you got? We shall see. Uh, I loved hearing this whole story about this project and about the healthcare programs that are specifically targeted for rural communities. Brenda talked with such passion about that. You know, she talked about health disparities and uh, this program being a way to address that. And she talked about the heart of rural America and she talked about the humanity of medicine. And uh, so I think that the, the building feels that. I think that, the, I think that the building would be singing. And I think that the building would be singing along with the students and kind of celebrating that notion of uh, preparing to serve rural America. And so I uh, came across this song called Back Where I Come From, which was originally written and recorded by Mac McAnally and then recorded by someone named Linda Davis. But Kenny Chesney loved it so much, he included it on his 1996 record, Me and You, and then on his greatest hits album. So here we go. This is a little out of my typical genre too. So <laughs> I've never really dabbled in country, but back where I come from, where I'll be when it's said and done. And I'm as proud as anyone. That's where I come from. Rachel, you were you were smiling when I was leading up to that. Um, yeah. Do you listen to Kenny Chesney, and did I do him justice? <laughs> That's actually something I grew up on. So as soon as you said that, I knew where you were going with it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Kelly and I would like to thank our guests: Brenda Diaz, Sharon Bard, Adam Carruthers, and Rachel Nance. Our sponsor, Ortho Carolina. Brian Baltasevich and his team at Queen City Podcast Network, Ryan Davis and Andy Spain for post-production, and Heather McWilkin, our chief of staff at Little, who expertly manages all aspects of our podcast production. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a rating and a review, and tell your, all of your friends and family about us. Thanks for listening to if Buildings Could Talk. And we'll look forward to having you join us for the next episode.